Hey, good morning. Hey, who's been up since 4.30 stressing about whether or not you're going to have church today or not? Yeah, just, yeah, it's, uh, it's the worst. It's the worst. It's, like, it's one of those things that's kind of like self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You, you go to bed that night knowing, thinking, it's like, oh, I sure hope I don't have another one of those anxious nights where I spend the whole time worrying about whether or not. Let's like, say so you're, you're anxious about whether or not, you know, what the weather's going to do. And now you're anxious about the fact that you know you're going to be anxious about it. And so the sleep is just... Not an option, but I was able to discover by being up since 4.30 that sometimes our six-year-old gets up at 5.45 and just starts doing crafts in her room. <laughs> so, you know, you, know, it's, you, know it's, you, you, you learn something. All right, I really appreciate everybody who, who came out here and who's watching this online. I'm really glad you're joining us with us today as we're kind of wrapping up our, um, our MOVE series. And um, I was talking with a guy earlier this week, having breakfast. It was a really great opportunity, and we were just talking, and... Basically, the question that he was asking was, you know, what kind of life does God really want me to have? He says, I, I, just, I just read I read the Bible, and I see all these crazy stories where God does this incredible thing in Moses' life, and Joseph's life, and you just see God showing up to do these miracles. And it just seems like that Bible people, when they have relationship with, relationships with God, they have these extraordinary lives. And... I just have an ordinary life. Does that mean I'm not doing life with God right? Does that mean that, that, that something's wrong with, with, with me? Is it God not view? What, 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 what's going on here? And we were talking, and I, I feel like it was a good conversation. And it was just really good for me. It was obviously, it was, it was kind of, I was thinking about it a lot. And the thing that I just kind of came to is that I really believe that for the, for, for, for the majority of us, the overwhelming majority of us, He's, we're not, we're not going to live the kind of lives that they make crazy Bible stories about, right? We're going to live ordinary lives, but we're going to see God do extraordinary things in ordinary lives. Where God has, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we were um, talking about the Word, we looked at Ephesians 2.10 where Paul is talking about how God has laid out for us a path of good works, He's laid out for us these, these things that he's wanting us to do. And he says these good works, he's prepared them in advance, and he just wants to walk in them. And so as we're just kind of walking in a, quote, ordinary life, God is showing up in extraordinary ways. Because you never know the person that's sitting next to you here today that they needed an encouraging word from you that you've already given or will give. You never know who you're going to interact with. You never know what your impact in someone's life in really small, relatively, seemingly, insignificant moments. You never know that your obedience and your faithfulness to love and serve them in some way will have a huge long-term, maybe we'll say eternal impact on their lives, and for generations to come. That's the kind of impact that you can have, quote, living an ordinary life. If we will just walk in obedience, we'll just walk in obedience to the life God has called us to, which is where our wheel illustration that we've been talking about in the last several weeks, where that comes in. Where this is what it's talking about. You put all of this together, and now I'm being obedient to what God has called me to. And I have Jesus at the center of my life. And I'm, and, and I'm doing all these things. And now I'm preparing myself for the actual extraordinary life that God has called me to. On the one hand, it looks ordinary. But it's in fact extraordinary. I'm preparing myself. 
And I put all these things together, and God is training me and equipping me for an incredible life. And we've, we talk about this a lot in connections, and I think it's important for us to always remind ourselves about this, that the greatest commandments in Scripture, Jesus has asked that, and he says, I'm gonna, you ask for one, I'm going to give you two. Love God with everything that you are, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that's kind of the beauty and part of this, relation, of, of this thing, because this is exactly what this is telling us to do. Because if you'll notice, all of these four spokes really are relational. So you got, how do I interact with people? Well, I want to have close, really connected, let's help each other get better relationships with people who follow Christ. But there's also people who don't follow Christ, and I want to, with my words, with my actions, with the way that I serve, with the way that I talk, with the way that I share, I want to be giving life to people who don't know Jesus. So this is how we relate to each other. And then here's how we relate to God. God speaks down to us through His Word. And we're going to wrap it up here today. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about prayer. And you put all four of these things together and you're really building a foundation of, I'm loving God well. I'm hearing from Him. He's hearing from me. I'm interacting well with the people that God's put in my life, whether they're followers of Christ or not. And I'm putting all of these things together and God is, is training me in obedience. And we talk about prayer. And we've talked about it from, from stage before. I mean, it's one of those things that most of us are, are familiar with and, and we know what prayer is. But it's one of those things that on the one hand is incredibly simple, right? I think we can all come up with, I think, we, I think I know what prayer is. But I think there's a depth and a richness to what prayer is supposed to do and what it's supposed to be that I feel like a lot of us are missing. Because here's the standard definition that I think that most of us would give if we were to say, tell me what prayer is. Like, what's prayer? I think most of us would give this highly technical definition of prayer is asking God for stuff. Right? Prayer is asking God for stuff. Right? That's what you do. Prayers, I'm, just, I'm just asking God stuff. I need something. God, will you do this thing for me? I'm asking. I want you to do this. 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 Right? But we are theologians, right? We're, we're, we're more advanced than that. And, and being a theologian, a trained theologian, you know, master of divinity, you can feel free to call me reverend. My mom, she's here today, she calls me, she calls me reverend. Any, any piece of mail that I get from my mom says reverend on it, which is weird that she calls me reverend and that, and that you get pieces of mail. But, you know, she, 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 she likes to call me reverend, right? And, and, and so... The technical, theologically astute definition for prayer that I would like to give you is that prayer is not asking God for stuff, that prayer is telling God stuff. Which is actually very different. It's very different to say that, that prayer is asking God for something versus prayer is me telling God something. Because what happens when we focus exclusively on what am I asking God for? We, we, we begin to, to overly narrow the focus and the nature of our relationship with God. If all I'm ever doing is asking God for things, then, then, then I become the needy one and he becomes the provider and that's exclusively what the relationship is. But the relationship that we're intended to have with God is actually supposed to be much deeper and broader than simply he's the one that gives me things when I ask for them. And actually what we need to be, we just need to be telling him everything. We need to be talking to him. 
telling him the things that are on our heart, the things that we're feeling, what we're experiencing, kind of where we are in our hearts and our lives. And as I was kind of putting this thing together this week, there's this question that just popped into my mind. And this may be one of those situations. It happens occasionally where I prepare a message and there's a certain point that really doesn't have anything to do with any of you, but is exclusively about what God's trying to do in my life. So if this is only relevant to me, and um, I apologize, we're going to talk about it anyway because I still need to keep processing it. There's this question that popped into my mind as I think about that really what prayer is, is just kind of generally telling God things. Why tell God something when he already knows everything? Right? I mean, he already knows everything. If I tell God, I'm, I'm mad, it's not like, well, what? If I tell God, hey, we own this house <laughs> in this other city that we haven't lived in for almost eight years, it'd really be awesome if you'd sell it and we're really sick and tired of it. I've not ever once surprised God. And so he already knows everything. In fact, he's more keenly aware about the things that I'm feeling and the things that I want and what my life is about. He's more keenly aware of the things that are going on inside of my heart and in my life than I am. So if I'm not telling him anything that he doesn't already know, then, what, then, then what's the point? Why, 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 do, why do we do that? Why is it important? Because if, if my big idea for you today is that whatever is going on in your heart and your life, if my big point is that you need to take whatever it is that you're feeling and experiencing, what you're feeling about God, what you're feeling about yourself, what you're feeling about relationships, what you're feeling about your life, what you're thinking about the future, what you're thinking about the past, what you're thinking about right now, you need to be telling this to God. Right? This is what you need to be doing. But he already knows it. What's the point? Well, there's a passage I want us to look at. It's in Psalm 139. And actually, he could have just as easily picked almost any psalm, almost any of these songs, especially the ones that are written by David. And there's these moments where you, where you see and experience the author of this song pouring out his heart to God. So we're just going to look here at a few verses in Psalm chapter 139. And David, David is in a, David's in a, in a bad way here. You know, it's just one of those things he's being persecuted, which seems like was happening to him for years. He feels like he's doing everything right, but life is still bad. And in verse 19, he says this, If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with ill intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord? And abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. And so what is David really doing here? I mean, he's really describing a life that in this moment he hates. And there are all these bad guys that are doing all of these bad things and are dishonoring you. And in dishonoring you, they're bringing all this hurt and damage to me. And in the meantime, 
I'm doing everything right. I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing and I'm hiding in caves and people are trying to murder me. And somehow this seems to be okay with you. I don't understand what you're doing. But rather than doing the thing that I tend to do, and I would imagine that a lot of you do as well, rather than just kind of holding that all in, in a moment of just pure honesty, he just kind of dumps it all out there. God, what are you doing? My understanding is you do good things to good people and let bad things happen to bad people. And you have turned that completely upside down. I do not understand. So he throws it out there. And what is accomplished by that? I will say this. The communication deepens relationship. There is something about his life and the way the world is currently working. David, he's, I just don't understand. God, I don't understand. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand why you're doing it. I don't understand why this is happening to me. And so I'm just going to just kind of just give all this to you. And then he closes out this psalm by saying this. Well, search me, God. I'm putting it all out there. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. Search me. Think it, go, go into my heart. Test me. You know everything I'm thinking now. I'm giving it to you honestly. And I want, I want you to look at it. And tell me, where am, I, where am I wrong? Where is my perspective so off? I need you to tell me. So that what? Then you can lead me in the way everlasting. So I'm going to tell you the things that are frustrating you. I'm, I, I do not understand this thing that you are doing. I am frustrated with my current circumstance. I'm, I, I don't understand the way this is working. I'm open to the problem being me, though. So why don't you come in there and figure if you sort it all out? You tell me where, where I missed it. Because ultimately what I want in this life goes back to our wheel diagram, the thing that we're talking about, the path. I want to be led in the path of life that you've led for me. But this thing right now in front of me is such a huge obstacle that I do not, I don't, I don't, think, I can, I don't think I can get around it. I, I, don't, I can't go through it. I can't go over it. It's just there. I need you to get in there and do the work and, and, and tell me where I've missed it. And there's a really cool thing. We're talking about deepening a relationship. One, it just is good to tell somebody how you feel. Right? This happens a lot in our house. You know, I, I, could, I could in this moment act like it only happens one way. It's something, it's something that only my wife does, right? You know, and I could, but I, I, I do it too. And, and, and so do you, right? It's the standard, you're walking around, you know, acting like a passive-aggressive idiot, not really answering questions, acting, acting all sullen. And then your spouse full of fear and anxiety, comes up to you knowing that you're upset, right? I mean, you ain't hiding it. Yeah, I mean, you think you are, but you're not. And so then they say, hey, something, something's wrong. What's wrong? And what's the answer? Nothing, which of course is a lie, right? It's clearly a lie, right? It's a lie. Oh, God, 
You know, this life's hard, but I'm just fully trusted in you right now. God's like, <laughs> no, you're not. These are just obstacles, but I know, I God, I know you've got this. No, I don't. That's, that's not what I think. It's not what I think. And I'm sitting here lying to God. And what does that do when I lie to God? This is an obstacle. This is an obstacle in my heart. I don't feel like I can trust him with the things that are really going in my heart, which is really happening in the relationships too. How are you doing? What's wrong? I'm fine. No, you're not fine. So it's not the fact when you come up and he's like, hey, you seem upset. And your spouse or your friend or your kid says, you're right, I'm upset. It's not like you've learned anything, right? Actually, I'm mad at you. Still haven't learned anything, right? <laughs> those, are, those are two facts I already knew. I knew you were upset and I knew it was my fault. The only thing I don't know at this point, and this is where you know, God has more knowledge, I just don't know specifically what I did. And, but I can't make it better. I cannot make it better. Our relationship cannot be strengthened if you do not tell me what is going on so that I can come in here and help it and heal it and our relationship can grow and deepen. As long as there's this dishonesty, where I feel like I cannot tell you what's really going on in my heart, even if you're wearing it on your sleeve, the relationship suffers, the intimacy suffers. There's a shallowness there. And so if prayer is not about getting God to do things for you, but it is about a deepening and a building of an intimacy and a relationship with God, then honesty is a necessity. And even if he already knows, the moment of honesty and clarity deepens the relationship. I know there's all these verses in the Bible that say, do not be afraid. So I have to pretend with God that I'm not afraid. I know that there are all these verses that say, don't be anxious. So I have to pretend with God that I'm not anxious. When in fact I'm angry, anxious, and I don't trust him, and I don't think he's doing a very good job at his job. And I'm not going to lie to you. I could. I was there like four or five days ago. I'm so mad. And my wife says to me, this is great, this is great, right? This is like the Monday or Tuesday before you're giving a sermon on prayer. This is way too honest, but there's not very many of us here, so. <laughs> so I'm angry. I'm so mad at, at just kind of some things that are just going on. I was, I don't know if I used any curse words, but I was feeling them. I was talking about that house in Cabot and just some other things that are going on in our lives. And my wife says, I mean, she's so good. She says, do you want to pray? And you know what I said to her? You can. You go right ahead. Do that thing you do. Pray. Be fine. And she did, and it was really good. <laughs> it was really good. It, it, I, I, I fell asleep, and, and I just woke up the next morning just feeling a little bit better. It's about all of it, right? You know, I'm, I missed an opportunity. I missed an opportunity, really. And I've been trying to do a little bit better job, so I'm applying my sermon solidly for, you know, four days straight now, right? So I don't have to feel quite like a huge hypocrite hanging up here with you. I missed an opportunity to deepen the relationship. And my guess is this misunderstanding that God and I have had about his, his failure to kind of live up to some things and 
and some frustrations that I'm feeling, he's got a thought on it, right? But the only way that we're going to be able to have this conversation is if I initiate the conversation. Because here's the thing, God speaks in whispers. He just speaks in whispers. And too often the angry voices that are in my head or that are in the world, the things that we're reading, the people that we're, we're following, the, the things that we're thinking about, those voices are so loud that all we can feel is the anger and the hurt and the anxiety and the frustration. And so we stay stuck in these places. When God is whispering hope and life to you, but I can't hear it. But if I like this psalmist and you like this psalmist, if what you can do is like, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm just going to put it out there. And what, this, and what David wants to do, man, he wants to know who God is. He wants to know what God thinks of him. He wants to be corrected and he wants to be led well. And so he just puts it all out there. I'm, I'm not just asking God for things. I'm trying to build intimacy and trust with him. And so then Jesus has some really good thoughts on this. He, he comes into this with some idea talking about this metaphor, this extended vine metaphor that he makes about vines and branches and what's fruit and I'm this and you're that. It's, it can be a little bit complicated, but I think that even if none of us are, are you know, have a, a winery in our backyard, I think that we can kind of understand kind of what he's talking about, at least, at least narrowly. This is, one of those, this is one of those kind of extended metaphors that Jesus has that, that I think on the one hand is real simple, but you could probably sit around and just kind of Think about it for, for months. And it's in John 15. We're just going to look at a couple of the verses here. In John 15 and verse 5. So he's describing himself here. He's like, I am the vine and you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. All right? That makes sense, right? I mean, as a metaphor, even if you've never had vines that produce grapes in you know I, I, I get the idea like so you got the you got the vine and out of the vine come these branches and the branches bear fruit and as long as the 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 branch is connected to the vine it'll bear fruit you take that branch off the vine snap put it on the ground its fruit production is going to significantly drop right a branch on the ground just laying there is going to produce zero fruit. Not an overly complicated metaphor. I'm going to think we complicated it a little bit. That, that part is incredibly simple. The only way to bear fruit, to live out the life that God has called you to, is to stay connected to Jesus. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. That makes sense, right? It's pick up sticks time and, and have a brush pile and burn them in the backyard, right? This, this stick's not doing anybody anything. Right, we, need to, we need to burn it. It's just taking up space in the yard. You're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Verse 7, however, see, verse 6, if you don't remain in me, it's like this. It's like you're useless, nothing happened. Might as well just get burned and, and put away. There's nothing you can do. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now that verse all by itself, verse 7, right? If we take it all this out, and all we're looking at today is verse 7. What's people like to do? If you remain in me, my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be done for you. It's like, wow, well, kind of got God on the hook here. If I follow this formula, I can get whatever I want. But it's all in a part of this metaphor. 
And what is the rela- re- metaphor? Well, the metaphor is a, is a related, relational, connecting metaphor. If you are closely connected to Jesus and his words and the things that he thinks and feels and believes, if those things are in you, so relationally I'm connected to Jesus. And then in my heart and my mind, I'm knowing the things that Jesus knows and the things that Jesus values and the things that Jesus wants for me. If I stay connected to him and who he is and what he wants is rich in me, then I can ask anything that I want and it will be done. Because it's out of relationship. Out of relationship comes answered prayer. It's out of relationship. I could say the same thing about my kids. Say the same thing about my kids. If you stay close to me and you share my values, you ask me anything, I'll give it to you. Well, can we just say that that kind of narrows the field a little bit of the things that you're going to ask, right? It just narrows the field a little bit. Dad, give me a million dollars. If you knew... Me and us, you would know I don't have a million dollars. And if I had a million dollars, you know who I'm not giving it to? You. Right? So, so th- th- I don't know. Hey, it's, it's 2.30. You want, you want a, can we get Sonic drinks? Oh, yeah, we can. Ask that anytime. If I got, if I got the time, Sonic drinks, yes. Hey, you want to go see a, yes. Before you can even say movie, it just gets to move. You want to go see, Yes. Let's go see a movie. I'm always down to see a movie, right? So you, you ask certain things, and dad will say yes. The same way, if you know your mom, their mom, you know mom, you know, things mom will say yes. There's certain things you ask dad, and there's certain things that you ask mom, right? It feels like manipulation, but I don't care, Right? You go to the movie with mom. Hey, can we get popcorn? No, we're, let's, let's, let's bring cheap microwave popcorn from home. Hey, dad, can we get popcorn? You bet we can. Get popcorn. Drink for everybody. I got 50 bucks. Why not just waste it on overpriced snacks? Right? You don't, you don't ask mom. Don't ask mom. Don't ask mom. Ask dad. Right? But you know that. And the way that they know that is even though we, you, you talk about it in manipulative ways, because, there, because there's knowledge, there's relationship. I know the kinds of things that I need to ask dad. I know the kinds of things that I need to ask mom. And I know the kinds of things I need to ask mom to ask dad. Right? I know how all this works. Right? And the more that I know God, the more I become familiar with him, the deeper the relationship is. I understand him. The more his values are in me. What's well, going to narrow the field of things that I'm going to ask? But then when I do ask, he shows up every time. And so here's a moment of just kind of frustrating honesty for me. It is apparent that God is going to sell that house whenever he decides he's going to. And I joked about this in my heart, and I don't know if I've done it out loud with you guys or not. There have been so many opportunities where the sermon just lines up perfect. Where I could be like, and, but guess what, guys? Mission of you! It ain't today. 
it's clear. It's clear to me that for a long time, and maybe a long time more, I don't know, that he's wanting to keep this around as a little bit as something that Paul describes as kind of like, just like a little thorn to kind of remind me constantly of my humble dependence on him. And there's a lot of things that are stressful about this. There's a whole lot of things about owning a second house that just feel like it has the whole operation a little unstable, right? And God's like, your, your operation is always a little unstable. Because without me, you can do nothing. Do you know that? If you're connected to me, anything, everything will be good. As long as I, I promise I'm, never, I'm not going to ruin you. And so I'm just going to keep you onto this house. So I can just continue to show you what dependence on me looks like. And you can get over the fact that it is your incredible planning or money management skills or your ability to control and own things. That's not what keeps your operation afloat. It is relational connection with me that keeps it afloat. So I still pray. I still ask him to do it. I'd be lying to him to say, I would be lying to you and him if I were to say to you, and so guys, here I am. I have emotionally released it. It does not matter to me anymore. I did not wake up this morning at 4.30 in the morning, still frustrated and anxious about it. Oh, the weather. I could be anxious about the weather. Hey, 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 brain, you know what else we could be anxious about? Let's think about that house some more. I hate you, brain. I haven't released it. I'm still anxious about it. I tell him, like, I don't like this. This is not what I want. But he's talking to me. He's communicating with me. He's changing me. He is connecting me with him. And that's what prayer is meant to be. And it is only through the journey of honesty and sharing and being honest about who you are and how you feel, it is only through that that the deep intimacy of a relationship with God can happen. So then that, let's put that wheel diagram back up there. So that, so I'm, I'm hearing from his words. They're strong in me. I'm connected. I'm learning about it. I'm relating well to people. Now what's happening in my life is obedience is flowing. So we're sitting around here, I think too often, minimizing the extraordinariness of what God can do in our ordinary lives. When God, in fact, has an incredible life, an incredible journey laid out for you. He's had it laid out in advance for a long time. But we have these obstacles that we can't get over. And I need more of his word in me. And I need more, 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 more communication, honest communication with him. And, and, and I, need, I need you to be an encouragement and a, and, a, and a strength to me. And I need to be constantly looking for these opportunities that God has placed before me to impact someone who doesn't know Jesus. And now my life is beginning to roll. So we're going to have kind of some extended reflection time here um, as we kind of wrap up the series. And you have a piece of paper and a pen in your seat. If you are at home, you can go to the junk drawer, push aside the 700 paper clips and random screwdrivers and find your own piece of paper and pen. And um, put this together. Here's what I would like for you to do. We're gonna, we'll, we'll, we'll leave, maybe we can leave that wheel diagram up for a little bit. I would like for you to draw the wheel of your life. Right? If your life was illustrated by this, what would it look like? So let me just kind of give you some thoughts. You know, is Jesus at the center? 
Or is he kind of off to the side? And if he's at the center, how big would you say he is in your life? How long are these spokes relative to each other? I'm doing really well on this one. I'm not doing so well on this one. And would you say that your obedience has a flat tire or not? Right? I would just draw it. This is what I want you to do. This is, one of the, I think, one of the most incredible, powerful aspects of this illustration. Not in how cool and perfect it looks right there, but how it actually looks in my life as an evaluative tool. So I'm going to draw it, put it out there. I'm going to be honest. And then as we reflect, stare at it for a little bit. And then say, what, what, is, what does this mean then? And I would encourage you right underneath that, put together two, three, four solid action items. If this is an honest assessment of my life, God, what needs to be different tomorrow so that I can have, I can roll through the life that God's called us to. So I encourage you to do that. We always have other opportunities to respond as well. People on our prayer team that are back there. Communion is available in the back. There's prayer candles, praying at the cross. We have an opportunity to give back to God with what he's already given us. And, um, but I encourage you to take some real honest assessment of your life and what it would look like for you to start building from the ordinary to the extraordinary in this life that God has for you. Let me pray. God, I thank you. God, I thank you for these moments when, when there's bad weather. I hate every minute of it. But God, I know that you always have a reason. The people that you bring is different. The feeling in the room is different. The way that I talk is different. You had something different planned for us today than what we had planned for today. And so God, whatever that thing was, in the lives of everyone here, God, who is hearing it. That thing that we needed to hear, that challenge that we needed, that thing that is making our wheel unbalanced or flat or... God, whatever hopelessness and despair or whatever or frustration that we've given into, God, I pray that that thing that you were wanting to do in our lives, God, you would do it. And you would bring healing and hope and life and purpose to each one of us. And we, God, we are so thankful for your son, Jesus Christ. Who makes all of this possible through the life he lived and the death that he died for each one of us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.